This is episode number 137 of the Fearless Presentations podcast, the fastest, easiest way to eliminate public speaking fear. Want to absolutely eliminate public speaking fear? This podcast is the answer. Here's the guy who literally wrote the book on Fearless Presentations, Doug Stannard. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fearless Presentations podcast. I'm Doug Standard, CEO of the Leaders Institute, and this is the podcast that helps you present with poise and confidence, both in person and also in those video meetings that we're all on a lot these days. On this episode, I interview Tamara Glick, and she is what's called a personal brand strategist. Um, So you know how big companies hire branding consultants to to create a a certain image for a brand, you know, like Nike is, you know, they got the just do it. So they're all about athletics. And then Apple is about innovation and trendy technology. Well, Tamara helps entrepreneurs create a, a brand with their companies. However, she also works with individuals who want to create a certain image for themselves. So, so like, for instance, in Fearless Presentations, we help people feel more poised and confident when they present. Well, Tamara helps them look more poised and confident, which is kind of cool. She talks a lot about the way we dress and the things that we kind of keep around us in the screen when we're on the video chats and all that kind of stuff. So she gives us a lot of tips and in fact, so many tips that I have to break it up into two separate parts. So enjoy part one of my interview with Tamara. We'll pick up on part two next week. On the episode this week, she teaches us about how to tap into our personal superpower. I think you'll get a kick out of this, uh, especially if you're an Incredibles fan like I am anyway. So, all right. So enjoy the interview with Tamara. All right. So welcome back to the Fearless Presentations podcast. Got a special treat for you. This week I'm going to be interview. I'm interviewing Tamara Glick, who is a brand strategist. I guess is is what you I, you have such a unique type of um, industry that you kind of work in that I'm I'm going to kind of let you explain to it because I I know that I will probably screw this up, but you're a combination of both of a stylist, I guess, is the best way to say it. So you you help people kind of look good on when they're in person or at the office or on on Zoom meetings and stuff like that. But in addition to that, you're also, you also help them with their personal branding and the way they look on their websites and their written stuff, right? And I, I got that right, correct? Because I, I know I don't want to kind of butcher what you're doing here because it's really cool stuff. You did get it right. It's, it is a very unique uh, position to be in. I am what I call a personal brand strategist, both written and worn. And what that means is, yes, part of my job is that I'm a stylist. I'm a certified image consultant. And we focus on three areas, the appearance, behavior, and communication aspects of image. So over time, I mean, I've been doing this for over 15 years now. Over time, folks have come to me not just for the styling or for you know learning how to feel more comfortable and confident in their own skin, but also how to communicate their essence, their personal brand, be it via the, the visual or via the words that they use on their website and their blog posts and their email funnel. So really depends on the client as to how I'm serving them. Right. And one of the reasons I wanted to have you on was that, I mean, obviously for the last couple of years on the the podcast and on YouTube channels and stuff like that, I mean, one of the things that I really specialize in is helping people look more poised, look more confident, communicate in in a very effective way. 
but my specialty is not how to dress and what's appropriate for the for the most appropriate audiences. I, I I mean I have my anecdotal kind of tips and tricks, but it's not it's not actually part of my training. And I'm starting to notice now since folks are doing more of the Zoom meetings and they're working from home that things have kind of shifted. And I wanted to make sure I got an, an expert in. So in the in the in the last five months or so, like what kind of things have you seen? that have kind of changed and if they change for a positive or, or a negative and what should we actually be doing if the norm is now sweatpants right? so that's what you see and everybody do it's totally different i mean it, because folks are uh, I, i'll give you an example by the way i was i was um coaching a group just in the last week or so and it was for a high level sales presentation that they were going to be doing through zoom and it was a team of, of people and the the folks who were presenting I actually had to back up and say, hey, you may want to iron your shirt. <laughs> you know, hey, you may want to, you know, turn the camera to where you're actually looking into the full camera and stuff like that. So those are some of the things that people have never had to really worry about before, but with the, with the really tight kind of window that we have on, on Zoom and, and these personal meetings, it, it's becoming more important. So what kind of things are you seeing that the, the listeners would be really interested in? Oh, there, there are so many things and you have like really nailed some of the most important ones. We're at a point in time where um, we have leapfrogged the way that technology was meant to be used in business, or I suppose the, the length of the trajectory that corporate business saw technology being useful for, right. um, you know, regardless of whether or not people are going to go back to the office when we are on the other side of what's happening right now, we are never gonna go back to the office the same way. Unless you are in manufacturing and you need to be on a line physically doing your work, nobody can say to you that you can't do your work from home or from wherever. Here is what's really important. We were thrown into this for the most part um, people were thrown into this without preparation. You know, th- the term telecommuting is what we would have used up until this point. Now we're looking at terms like dispersed teams, remote working, in my world, digital entrepreneurism. I mean, that's been around for nearly 10 years. Right. People who are digital entrepreneurs have a different kind of handle on what it means to work remotely and how to bring your best on screen. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're doing it. There's always right. been a debate between, you know, team waistband and team sweatpants. Right. Uh, and a lot of digital entrepreneurs are obsessively proud about being pajama bound. Um, that's not my personal favorite method of being prepared <laughs> right. to work. Right. But when we look at people who've been forced into this because of the pandemic, there were a lot of other things that were happening around them and within them that compounded this change from working in a work environment that they were accustomed to, to working from home. So, you know, for quite some time, there was a, a really important grace period about how we showed up to work. So, you know, showing up without the camera on because you know, folks were really trying to deal with the kids at home, right. the, the spouse that's also working, the, the figuring out of where their best work from home space would be located. 
all of this was just extra stuff that no one really had the bandwidth for um, to figure out. And so there was a great deal of grace being given that like, no, we don't care if you're, if, you know, if you don't have your, your camera on, it's fine. If right. you're not dressed the way that you normally would come to the office, well, who cares? At least you've shown up. All this other stuff is exploding around us. It's the least right. of our worries. However, I think that now we know most companies are not planning on having their workforce back to the office full time until mid 2021. Some mm -hmm. are not planning on having their workforce go back to the office full time ever. Right. So, you know, that grace period is going to come to a close. And now we need to start becoming leaders in a digital work capacity. So being able to bring your personal brand on screen and have it really be vibrant there as opposed to in person is the new skill set that we need to master. Right. So, you know, it's not that you can't be comfortable from home. I mean, who expects you to wear a three piece in from home? Like that's right. just not a realistic expectation, right. but knowing how to use technology it's never been a part of the work skill set before. I mean, I did an MBA. We did not get taught how to use this kind of technology. What does it have to do with your function? Right. Nothing. Yeah. But now we need to learn the TV trifecta. We need to understand how to use our voice in, in, in a powerful way when we're delivering any form of message on camera um, because it's different. We need to understand how our facial expressions, our body language, our clothing and our grooming, our backgrounds function around us. And nice. so to me, it's a lot. But it's also a very exciting time to be able to bolster your skill set as a leader. Awesome. I, I, I want to get into all of that. However, let, let's back up just a little bit because I, think, I, I want to make sure that folks don't, don't kind of miss the, the main thing here is that I've seen way too many 80s rock band t-shirts in the last <laughs> few months. And while yeah. that was kind of fun the first couple of weeks, uh, that's, you know, it's, I've, it's just a little strange uh, at this point. Somewhere along the way, you have to, people, I, one of the things I always say about public speaking especially is that people judge our competence by the confidence that we show. And a lot of times that, that is, we, people pick up on it by the way that we dress and that kind of thing. So, yeah. so like, like um, do, you, do you have different guidelines that you give your clients in certain industries or isn't some industries is okay to do certain things or, or kind of what, if, if somebody is just um, maybe one of these virtual entrepreneurs that you're talking about where they have their own clients or company, their, their own company, and they're going to be communicating with potential clients that are, you know, maybe um, a little bit more professional than what we as the entrepreneur might have, you know, what kind of things would we do? What, what, what kind of, tips would you give somebody like that to make themselves look really professional, even if they're working from a home office or something like that? Mm -hmm. So, you know, there's the stuff that's on your body and then there's stuff that's surrounding and supporting your body. Right. right. And I think that those are the two things that folks really need to get a handle on and pay attention to. So yes, depending on the industry that you're in, I would offer different advice. I mean, I'll go back to my MBA days. I did not drink one of the two most popular flavors of Kool-Aid. I wanted to go into advertising, <laughs> not the regular choice. You know, you go into <laughs> consulting, you go into finance. Right. So when I was getting advice from my career center, it was great advice for one of those two career directions, patently right. poorer for the industry that I was going into. And, you know, 
I, I thought that it sounded off, but my background then was in fashion and theirs was in business. I was going to trust them. They were the number one business school in Canada. So, right. you know, I wasn't messing around. And then I had a mock interview with a neighbor who knew me well and who happened to have been in advertising for 20 years. Nice. And I showed up in a very classically corporate outfit that I will never forget. I mean, French twist, pearl studs, pantyhose, <laughs> skirt suit, the whole thing. That's what and I wore on my first interview too, by the way. Right? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously. You're twins. Um, <laughs> she was like, what the hell is this? And I thought, I don't know, I can't do that. Like, I, how, do you, how do you express yourself if you feel and look the same way that everyone else does? Right. So. You know, I changed my strategy when I realized that clothing is not frivolous. Fashion is not frivolous. It's a marketing tool. Right. And so, you know, depending on the industry that you're in, you may execute the marketing of yourself and your skill set differently, but you do need to consider who is your audience? What are their expectations? What do you bring to the table? How are you different? Right. And what are your goals in this meeting? then you can decide what you want to wear, right? And that should really help you no matter what industry you're in to give that appearance aspect of your marketing the credence that it deserves. Right. Awesome. Good deal. Yeah. And, and I, I want to get into uh, some of the, the things around you. I know that, that you wanted to kind of talk about that as well, but um, before we kind of jump, jump into that part, which I think is going to be really critical, it's the thing that I struggle most with. And I think a lot of folks who are doing virtual meetings or, or YouTube videos and stuff like that. Now uh, we're doing a lot of that more than what we ever have in the, in the past. Those are things that are kind of challenging, but one of the things, before we actually get into that though, one of the things that I have kind of noticed I'm coaching people on and you might be able to, to correct by my coaching, but when you're on that small screen, mm -hmm. the way that we move and the, the, the expressions that we have are way, way, way more important. So like, for instance, in the past, when I was coaching people mainly to speak in a boardroom or on stage or something like that, I would, you had to have lots of energy and you had to use big gestures and move and stuff like that. You, now you have to use your face. Your face has to be, has to have that expression because that's what people are going to see. They're not going to see your hands moving. They're not going to see. So I always, I'm coaching people now that when they're on camera, you know, you have to kind of move your head a little bit and stuff like that. So I'm seeing it as a, as a pretty good value for folks when they're, but I'm kind of wondering if you're, if you're kind of seeing the same type of thing, is that the, the types of things that you're kind of coaching folks on as well, or is it different? And that may be off topic with what you kind of do, but I, but I, I, I just know that's pretty important. It's a big change that I've had to make in the way that I coach people. And I'm, I'm assuming you're probably seeing some of the same types of changes as well, right? I am. And, you know, it's interesting that you mentioned this because I just received a question from someone this morning about that, that they've noticed on their calls that they have certain um, habits. They nod a lot and they start there like, I feel like a marionette. I feel like... It's really exaggerated. What is so interesting is you have this, generally speaking, a 13-inch screen that you're coming through live on, right? right? So everything that shows up in that 13-inch screen is all of a sudden way more important. Every element has so much more um, emphasis. It has, it's emphasized so much more on screen than you think it is in real life. And that's everything from your 
your facial expressions, the way that you move your head or you don't move your, your head, your right. tone of voice, your intonation or your, your vocal variation, your grooming, your fashion, anything that's in your background, all of those things, they all count so much more. So you're right. We do need to retrain. I think, you know, if we go back, and I'm sure this is a study that you probably quote as well as Dr. Moravian's study about the believability of communication. And, you know, it's something that's really important in our industry um, together that, you know, 55% of the believability of communication comes from nonverbal cues. Right. What people see, not what we're saying, right? So Exactly. Not what we're saying, not even how we say it right? You know how some people will say like, it's not what you said, it's how you said it. And right. they're right. Like that's 38% of, of the believability of, of communication. But 55% is all nonverbal. It's all what you see, whether that is facial expression or, you know, the way somebody has put themselves together or what is in their background or in their foreground. Right. You know, we really need to make sure that we're communicating the way that we intend to, that our facial expressions or our um, general demeanor matches the intention that we have. I think right. that's so important. You know, in Malcolm Gladwell's latest book, he talks about friends and how, and, and you know, Malcolm Gladwell has my absolute heart. He is my secret boyfriend. But, <laughs> um, but, but when he started talking about the significance of friends and how the actors on Friends did such an incredible job of emoting exactly what you would expect them to emote, whereas human beings do not always emote exactly the way you expect them to emote. And that is why we have this disconnect in believing communication. Right. Um, I think that we really need to learn a lot about how to remember that we're on camera Imagine that the person we're speaking to is right in front of us right. and make sure that the way that we're using our body and our facial expressions line up with, right. with really what we're hearing. Like we really need to become much better listeners because of the way that we're communicating now. I, I get a really funny story related to what you were talking about. It has nothing to do with the, with the interview here, but hilarious. So uh, my, my son, their their school temporarily went back to the Zoom meetings uh, because somebody tested positive, and so they're they're they just for a week or so, and I and so he my son's in the kitchen on a it's a math class, and the woman who's teaching God bless bless her heart she she was trying to be really enthusiastic, but you could tell that she was explaining it way, in way too much detail. And the kids were totally lost. And, I'm, and my wife kind of grabs it because I'm just going in to get a cup of coffee. And she kind of touches me on the, on the shoulder and, and kind of points. And you see the, this row of kids' faces, you know, the, the little squares from the Zoom or whatever it is that they're using. And the, the kids are doing this. They're going. <laughs> and one of them's just sitting here like this. <laughs> the oh, whole yeah. time, you know, it's like you, if you're not doing something on screen, if you're not kind of moving around, if you're not keeping people engaged, they're going to start tuning out and everybody's going to see it. Once you start to see one person, because everybody sees all everybody else that's on the screen, once you see somebody else that's kind of tuned out, it, it becomes much more difficult. Anyway, so um, it, was, it was really funny, though. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is interesting, you know, whether or not you're capturing your audience, right? But, and at the same time, like you really do as an audience member, you know, you, 
it's incumbent upon you to be engaged in what's happening as well. And at the same time, it, it is tiring. Zoom fatigue is a real thing. And so, you know, we really need to think about how we're using right. the technology effectively or ineffectively. Moving around, yes, it's important. But at the same time, I think that we really need to understand the way that movement affects our audience. We didn't necessarily have to think about that in person. Right. You wouldn't feel the same way watching somebody shift from foot to foot in person right. Right. as you do when you're watching them on video when it you really feel seasick so right. to me you know moving is important but being um purposeful in how you use movement is even sure. more important right we all have habits we all need to adjust to a new kind of technology and a new method of communicating with technology. I mean, as another example, how many people feel more comfortable on a phone call when they're pacing around the room? It's a very natural activity, I right? It a lot. Think. Right. But if you were I to feel like I'm that, more energetic and enthusiastic and stuff like that. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. It may help like raise your chi, which is a really good thing if you're speaking and trying to deliver enthusiasm in your message. And right. it, and so people are translating that to their video calls by either taking their audience on a walk with them. Don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. A million I've not seen that one before. Just so you know, I've not seen that I, one. I, have I, haven't, I haven't come across that one yet. It. I've experienced a number of times and normally it's because it's an act of multitasking. They're taking their child to the park, whatever it is, right. you know, we're all multitasking in a different way right now. And that right. is forgivable. However, please just call me rather than having your camera up your nose and, you know, seasicking me along your walk. Um, you know, that is distracting. It makes a person uncomfortable. You don't feel prioritized. And so your personal brand begins to erode. Whereas, you know, another technique is that I'm going to go foot, foot to foot and stand up. You know, a lot of people stand up when you're delivering a speech or when you're, you know, making an important call because, right. It's your voice sure. will raise. It is important if you're not being seen. Right. But when you are being seen, then we need to adjust the technology so that it doesn't really look like you're standing, you know, right. like so that it's just even Steven. We need to adjust the way that you're standing and how you use your energy foot to foot. Um, and that's a lot more for people to think about that distracts them from what they're trying to convey, then right. I would want somebody to use. Instead, I would rather people practice speaking in a seated position um, so that they can convey the same level of interest, emotion, um, excitement, etc. cetera. Sure. Uh, you know, when they're in a seated position, that's more comfortable for their viewer. Yeah. I, I t you know, it's funny. One of the things that you mentioned earlier was, was Zoom fatigue. And I think there, there seem to be two different versions of that. One is, people are just sick of them. You know, it's like, oh man, these Zoom meetings really stink. God, they're so boring. Oh, I don't want to do another one. If I never, if I, if I can, if I can get away with never having to be on ever a Zoom meeting ever again, period. That's fantastic. Right. And so I think, I think that's one side of it. the other one though, is the one that I don't think anybody ever talks about. We talk about it here internally though. I mean, our instructors, because when we, a lot of times we're doing if we're doing extended amounts of training, if we're doing a, a full day of training or two full days of training via Zoom, it's incredible the amount of energy that that takes. 
I, when it, when I finish, when we do our, our uh, virtual fearless presentations classes, you know, that our two day classes, when I finish the, it, get to the end of that first day, I don't want to do, I just want to sleep. It's only like four o'clock in the afternoon for me or five o'clock in the afternoon, but I'm like, man, I'm going to go home and go to bed. It's exhausting. And I had, I, that was one of the things that really surprised us when we started doing this more and more. And we, we talk about it here at the office a lot where the, with, with the other instructors, because they're all experiencing it as well. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I always knew like when, when, you know, because we, I, I teach, teach classes and have been for, you know, 25 plus years. And at the, if I, if I fly off to, to teach a class somewhere and I'm up on my feet for, for a couple of days and on the way home, I'm always on the airplane. I'm conked out. I'm, I'm asleep because I knew that takes a lot of energy. And it was funny because my father-in-law, he, he mentioned once to me because he was a, a, a manager, did a lot of long-term meetings and stuff like that in his career as well. And he used to say, man, it, I don't think people really understand the amount of energy it takes to, to stand up and speak for an extended period of time. I'm seeing that like tenfold on the virtual calls. I mean, it's the, the amount of energy that it takes to keep everybody up because I want so bad as a, as a speaker when I'm doing a virtual meeting to make sure that I'm not seeing those people kind of drifting off, to make sure that the people are in tune, that they're, that they're interacting and, and, they're having, and it takes a tremendous amount of, a, of additional energy and it's something that we have to kind of train ourselves to do. Yes, it's true, we do. Is that kind of, is that kind of what you're, I'm assuming you're, you're kind of seeing the same thing. I'm not, we're not, we're, it's not just us internally here. It's because nope, but, no, you're seeing real. that not only for, not only for you, but your clients and that kind of thing as well too. So, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Zoom fatigue is, it's a real, um, I wouldn't call it a syndrome yet, but it is a phenomenon <laughs> that we are experiencing. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And the technology is the main thing, right? Like we are, we are having to pro produce so much more energy than we normally would have to because a person would be across from us who right. also has energy. Right. But in this scenario, we don't have that same feedback. So sure. we, you know, as I think about it, I feel like we're producing not just our energy, but the energy that we would hope to have a crowd produce or, or, you know, that person sitting across from you produce so that you have the interaction and that bouncing of energy between the two of you. So we don't have that. You have to produce it. But then the other parts about it is that we are staring at a screen right. or we, you know, and that has lighting in it that, you know, that does affect the eye and that does create fatigue because it isn't just the eye, it's the brain and the eye. Right. right. And we do need to think about those things. We need to think about not just the screen that you're looking at, but where are you looking at the screen right now? I'm looking into, you know, the, the dark cycloptic eye of my webcam, right. which is really right. you. And I know that you're there, right. but you know, you're below me in, right. in terms of where my sight line is. But if I were right. to look down like this, when I'm really looking at you, then right. On the receiving end, it's going to be exhausting because I'm not actually looking at you. Right. This is going to feel much more natural, much more engaging than, right. than what I just showed you before. And then if you're also properly lighting yourself, you have additional sources of energy coming at your face. So <laughs> there's a lot to think about. And when you are presenting or you are the one who's on a call with someone else, then it it becomes part of your best interest to have whatever your viewer is looking at to sure. be comfortable 
for them, to give them something other than just your face to look at. Because in real life, we never have to just focus on 13 inches. We never just focus on, on the person's face in front of us. Right. Our eyes can like gently roam around a little bit and look at the backdrop a little or see that person that's walking by. And, you know, these are all natural distractions that we don't have when we're concentrating on a 13 inch screen. Right. Yeah. I, it's some of the things that, that I, I've always used as a, as a coaching technique are, are kind of, they, they kind of quickly become outdated in the, in the virtual world. Like for instance, a lot of that people get nervous. We get nervous when we're speaking on camera because you don't get that feedback. That is one of the more difficult kind of things. And that's one of the things that Zoom and some of the other virtual platforms has, have kind of helped with because you do get that instant feedback. But it also is distracting because sometimes we're not actually looking at the person. We're having, having to look at the camera and see the person out of, our, out of our, uh, the, the, um, the corner of our eye kind of thing, right? Right. Um, one of the things that I used to, to train people on when they were like, if somebody wanted to do a podcast or something like that, I, I would always tell them, Hey, don't read it. You know, if you're reading a podcast, it's, I don't care how good of a presenter you are. It's, it's not going to sound great. And, and I used to encourage people to get somebody else from their office or a spouse or coworker, somebody to, to just sit in the room and then tell that person what you want to tell. The, the group. And it always worked really, really well. It was a very simple fix to the, the challenge with talking into a microphone for the first time and, and that nervousness that people felt. With the visual stuff, though, the virtual meetings, it's a little bit more challenging. Uh, are you, uh, do, do you have any kind of tips or anything that, that uh, folks could kind of use if, they, if they're really nervous about speaking on camera? And they're really nervous, you know, maybe they just want to kind of sit in the background and not really respond because it's more comfortable that way. Uh, any, because they, they're missing out on opportunities if they do that, right? They're missing out on those opportunities to really show themselves and build that personal brand that you're talking about. What do you think? Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that right now, you know, all of the relationships that we have spent so much time investing in in person, no matter how we did it, whether it was, you know, day-to-day -day interaction or conferences, networking event, all of those things that we did in person, the reputation piggy bank that we're saving up, right. that's only going to take us so far. We need to learn how to evolve into the next stage so that our savings compound, right? They don't just stay stagnant. So, you know, being on camera is really important. And it is understandable that people can feel a bit nervous when it's new. Um, and, and that's okay. It's okay to feel nervous when it's new. There are a few things that I would do. I find that people get especially nervous when they can see themselves in that gallery view or right. you know, in whatever view they happen to be using. Right. Particularly in Zoom, there is there are a couple of functions that I would want to draw uh, people's attentions to. First is that if you go into the video under preferences in Zoom, go under video, and there is a, I think it's perfect my look or right, my yeah, yeah. I, I, I know something what you're like about. that. Use that. <laughs> use it. Don't use it to such abandon that you no longer have facial feature definition. We still want you to look like a person. Don't go crazy with the filter. But if when you look at yourself on screen, you're like, oi, this is just not my finest day, then that is what the smooth my appearance is for. Go for it. Enjoy it. 
Right. I usually put it at maybe a 25% or a 50%. You don't need to go crazy with it. But if it gives you a little bit of extra self-confidence, then why not use it? And then the other thing that I think is really important is that when you go up to that corner of where you see yourself on a Zoom call and you click on the three dots, you can hide self-view. And I would suggest doing that on every call you have because it is only natural to look at yourself. Right. <laughs> right. But, you know, but it's unnecessary, but we can't help it. It's kind of like, you know, when, when somebody holds their hand up like this, it doesn't matter if they have a puppet on it or not. I'm going to look at that person's hand. Um, <laughs> right. It's just, it's just something that we do. So removing right. the self view, hiding the self view, it just takes you out of the equation. When you're sitting across from a person, you don't have the opportunity to be looking at yourself all day long and right. you wouldn't want it. Right. You wouldn't want it. So remove that. Focus on the people that you are in the room with. And those two things alone will increase your self-confidence on screen. So just for time's sake, we're going to have to pause right there. We'll pick right back up on the interview next week. Don't miss next week. I asked Tamara about how to create a home office, and she gives a really, really, really cool tip that anybody in any house or apartment can use to make your workspace on Zoom look really, really, really professional. So don't miss it. We'll see you next week on the Fearless Presentations podcast. Thank y'all. Subscribe to this podcast for new public speaking secrets each week.